The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Good evening and a happy holiday season to everybody. Hope you have a great Hanukkah or Christmas or whatever you celebrate during this very special time of the year. This will be our last show before Christmas. Christmas, of course, coming on Tuesday next week. But we'll be back with you next Thursday with another exciting and provocative show. Well, uh, I'm not sure how the weather is in your neck of the woods, but I do know that around here and in mid-Kentucky, we're getting blasted with about 40-mile-an-hour winds. So I hope I'm not going to have a problem getting a hold of our first guest tonight, which is jockey Shane Sellers. You know, Shane has never been a stranger to uh, to controversy. He has no problem putting himself in it, but usually for good causes. You know, he was the one that uh, got the jockey advertising through on the pants and uh, for riders to be able to, as independent contractors, uh, make some money on the side. And he's always been very strong in the safety of riders, the health of riders. He's uh, done a lot in trying to get the weight limit raised a little bit so these guys aren't, you know, hitting the box uh, all day and coming out weak or hitting one of the stalls, uh, trying to uh, help health-wise there and health-wise as far as he was uh, very critical in getting benefits raised from $100,000 to, I believe, a minimum of a million dollars at every track. Uh, he, like... Uh, Randy Romero, who's been on Winning Ponies, is kind of one of those uh, Cajun boys. Uh, you know, started riding when he was 11, riding the bush tracks, got his jockey license when he was 16. Of course, he's been all over the place. He's ridden in 14 Kentucky Derbies. Uh, Shane's been there, done that, and then he's had some downtimes too. And the nice thing is he's... Uh, not retired, but he is not going to New Orleans. Last couple of years, he finished like sixth and eighth in the standings down there, which will still make you a good living. But uh, he was uh, injured, uh, I believe it was late June, and had to take some time off. And when he came back, he said so much of his business has, had dried up, he didn't see any sense in maybe going down there and banging his head uh, way down yonder in New Orleans. And so he hooked up with uh, trainer Pat Huffman, and he went partners in on a farm uh, near Keeneland, and he's working on this farm, breaking yearlings and working with other horses on layups. Uh, but that uh, certainly by no means means he was retired. I had a chance to uh, meet and talk with him last Saturday. It was at Turfway Park. Of course, he was in for the Prairie Bayou, the only stake on the card, and uh, 
broke from the outside with a horse trained by Pat Hoffman and went from flag fall to that's all. Probably stretching this horse out a little bit more than what he likes to go, but he did a great job with the pace. So Shane Sellers, he's still got it. You're just not going to see him in the limelight for a while. He's working on the farm and says he's loving every minute of it. Again, I hope we get a chance to... Uh, to get a hold of them uh, with the uh, the windstorms that are happening down in central Kentucky. Okay, knucklehead of the week. That's going to go to Victor Carraro. He's been suspended 30 days by Hollywood Park stewards after striking his jockey's agent with a whip in an incident at the barn area in late November. I guess it was a dispute over uh, Mount. He did or didn't get, I don't know. Uh, but as I recall, this is the same clown who uh, they had on film throwing his whip and clods of dirt at a horse at Aqueduct years ago, Victor Carrero, uh, after the horse had broken down. He's like mad at the horse after the horse broke down. Correct me if I'm wrong, <clears throat> but I believe I'm right on that one. So nonetheless, he'll be getting a little uh, vacation, and uh, he'll go through a drug and alcohol testing agreement and uh, probably have to work on his uh, temper tantrums with some anger management classes, too. Okay, well, uh, don't forget, you can uh, you can get in on uh, voting for uh, the NTRA Moment of the Year. You are invited to do that. So uh, if you want to get involved in that, you go to ntra.com, and you'll be able to uh, vote on the Moment of the Year uh, a lot of great things that happened this season uh, are, are featured there, and uh, not not just great races, but other um, scenarios that that played themselves out in racing during the year. So uh, uh, you can be a part of the NTRA contest. We hope you will. I believe the voting goes until January third. Um, some other news uh, that you'll want to know about as far as the uh, pools. For the future wagering, uh, the first pool will start for the Kentucky Derby and Tucky Oaks future wager February 8th through 10th. That's 12 weeks in advance of the Derby. And then nine weeks in advance, it'll open up again March 1st through 3rd. And the last one, six weeks before Derby, is March 22nd through 24th. As I uh, recall, it's kind of exciting bet. And uh, I know, believe that Mr. O'Neill had a nice bet on I'll Have Another uh, in the uh, Derby, in the future bets, the $2 win payouts in Pool 1 uh, was $60.20, uh, $46.20 in Pool 2, and $45.60 in the third. At the track, you only got $32.60. So if you've got a favorite two-year-old, you might be able to uh, get out in, in front of that. Uh, I know, believe you can return uh, $29.60 for betting the Kentucky Oaks. And... Uh, uh, the uh, payout was uh, with the exacta was two hundred and fifty seven dollars and eighty cents. So you can get in on that. You can go to www.kentuckyderby.com and you'll have uh, all the information to get in on the early bets. Now, if you want to know who the rankings are, as you know that that system has changed this year. The rankings right now on top is Shanghai Bobby with twenty points to get into the Kentucky Derby and of course, a Todd Pletcher trainee, and right behind him, a Doug O'Neill trainee of Golden Sense has 14 points. Now, following that, we've got several horses tied at 10. 
Violence, who was so impressive in the cash call futurity, gets in with 10, as does Joha, overanalyzed, uncaptured, power broker, the Irish bred stealer, and River 7. So right now, those are the top point horses that uh, looks like they hope they'll stay sound and come back in the Kentucky Derby. And we reported last week that Gary Stevens might be thinking about coming back riding. He's been working out in the Washington area for quite a few weeks, getting fit. Well, that's all he's doing is getting fit. Uh, He dashed any speculation that he's going to come back riding after his absence of seven years. Uh, But, of course, he's still going to be a a television analyst and uh, and does a fantastic job at that. So he says, I don't know who's spreading these rumors, but uh, I'll be working for HRTV. Um, Well, we all had eyes on the fourth race at Hollywood last week, as we were hoping Eblu Santé was going to be going to post for the second time. Of course, she is Zenyatta's half-sister. Well, just prior to the late, the, she was a late scratch just prior to the race at Hollywood Park. Uh, she ended up hitting the barn area and lost some of her hide in the incident, and that necessitated uh, her scratch. Uh, we were really hoping she was taking on winners, so it was going to be interesting to see what was going to happen with her in that race. But uh, they said they bruised her hip. We'll take a look at it. Uh, we don't even know if she'll miss any training, according to John Sheriffs, uh, who handles the half-sister uh, to Zenyatta. So uh, hopefully she will make it to post sooner than later. And it looks like they've smoked the peace pipe in Maryland because Laurel Park and Pimlico have a 10-year deal to put to rest the differences that has just plagued the ownership of those tracks. Uh, they say they've lost about $10 million a year in operating costs. Of course, uh, right now, Maryland, while they were late to the gaming bandwagon, on uh, November they passed what was called Question 7, authorizing year-round table games and awarding a new casino license in the prime Prince George's area. It looks like projections say they could have as much as three hundred and fifty to $400,000 a day in purses, and that would be outstanding. Well, I had one of my favorite uh, outstanding handicappers with me last week, and one Ed Meyer, and uh, we're going to take a look at the races that we handicapped that day, and uh, let's take a look at last week's races. Of course, the Cash Call Futurity, this is one of those races uh, I just... I wish I could have made my pick prior to the race and not on the radio because we talked about Todd Pletcher shipping all the way over to Hollywood Park with the undefeated violence. And when you saw this son of Medallia Oro in the paddock, I mean, he had the look of a champion. He really did. And, uh, he certainly dis- didn't disappoint when they got out on the track. Uh, he kind of uh, took off the pace, was back in about fifth for most of it, and then all of a sudden, of course, uh, Xavier Castellano uh, had the mount in the Nashua Stakes, and Pletcher let him have the, the ride back. Now, don't forget, this horse should be good looking. It cost $600,000 at uh, Keeneland, and he just put him into gear in the stretch, uh, Furry Capcori, who was my selection in there, uh, had the lead most of the race, uh, but got caught in turning for home by violence, who uh, got clear late. 
Furi Kapuri did hold on for the victory. And third was Den's legacy. Uh, violence, so did go off. A lot of East Coast money must have come in. He went off as the favorite. So violence from the Pletcher barn is going to be one to watch in the year ahead. All right, let's uh, go on now to the next race that Ed and I handicapped, and it was the Hollywood Turf Cup. And sure, looks like we've got a nice horse that came out of here. This was uh, my, my, my top pick in here, uh, Grand Door, an Irish bred, who uh, been rallying late. This race was at a mile and a half. Grand Door was awesome and got the job done by three-quarters of a length over the inside horse, Interaction, a Ron McAnally trainee. And uh, in third was Optimizer from the D. Wayne Lucas barn. This horse has been uh, knocking on the door a lot, but doesn't quite get there. But D. Wayne certainly isn't ducking anybody. Uh, he's been everywhere with this horse. Of course, he ran him in all the Triple Crown races after he put in a big score, in the not a score, but a just close miss in the Rebel Stakes. And since then, he's been to Colonial, Saratoga, Delaware, Santa Anita, Churchill, and now back to Hollywood. So Optimizer uh, getting a wonderful view of the country. Compliments of D. Wayne Lucas. Uh, then we went to the other coast. We went to the Dania Beach, one of the few grade threes left. And the winner here, well, it was the girl over the guys. That's right. At 16 to 1, overlooked was Mystic Love, a daughter of Not For Love, who in the race before this, the, the Salima Stakes at Laurel, which is usually a pretty tough race, rallied from 11th and got up by three quarters of a length. Elvis Trujillo back in the saddle today and so mystic love big upset in there paid 34 to win 11.40 to place and 6.80 to show the favorite well it was the horse i like charming kitten charming kitten uh put in a a, a nice race was four wide on the turn i'm not making an excuse uh but uh, came up second best and was a length ahead of newfound zapper the other long shot I liked in there, so it's just a shame I couldn't find Mystic Love. Would have cashed a nice ticket right there. Then uh, in New York, we are uh, going to Aqueduct for the Gravesend, and what kind of horse is this? Saginaw wins for the 10th time of the year, and from what I understand, Saginaw is going to come back and race one more time. I believe there is a stake for New York breads shortly after Christmas, and that would, I believe, make Saginaw the winningest horse in the country this year with 11 wins. So good luck to Saginaw's connection, David Jacobson, the uh, horse that was claimed off him, Hillswick, that we thought was going to be a threat, was scratched out of this race. So it was uh, it was Saginaw Royal Courier, and isn't he perfect getting the job done in the Gravesend in New York? Uh, up at Woodbine, they're closing their doors for a little while up there, and uh, with a mile and three quarters, the Valedictory, the Grade Three race, was won by Heathcote who just wired the field, pulled away with Emma Jane Wilson in the saddle to win by 12 and a quarter lengths. So uh, Heathcote, uh, the four-year-old gelding, closes out the year with a big win, a grade three at Woodbine. Uh, it was the 60th running at the race. Second was the favorite, 
Peyton, and third on the inside was Questior. And coming up, we did have a race that we don't normally uh, do a whole lot with quarter horses, but you certainly can't ignore a grade one $2 million race. And that was out at Los Alamitos. It was the $2 million futurity, and what a finish. Three noses at the wire, and the winner was Mata Bari, overlooked at 8-1. to one. Mata Bari got up by a nose over the August heat at 5-1, to one, and the favorite, Freedom Choice, ended up running third. Well, that's a look at most of the major races. Of course, we go into a little bit of a lull this time of year. But uh, pretty soon we'll be coming back with horses pointing towards the uh, uh, the big uh, Derby and Oaks races, and we'll get to watch that happen. Until then, it's the Christmas show here on Winning Ponies. And, hey, we got a surprise under the tree from the Jockeys Guild. It looks like Jeff Johnston's going to be joining us. Don't go away. You're on Winning Ponies. out hundred dollar bills and it kills and it thrills like the horns on my Silverado grill and I buy the bar double round the crown and everybody's getting down your internet flagship station for sports Voice America Sports and they're off what can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you. Every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. 
All right. Well, I guess the storm blew into Kentucky. We're having some problems uh, getting a hold of uh, of Shane Sellers, but it looks like Santa slipped another really nice present under the Winning Ponies Christmas tree. Uh, in, in the uh, fact that with us right now is Jeff Johnston from the Jockeys Guild. Jeff, how are we doing? I'm doing good, John. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks for calling in. Well, you know, since we were going to have Shane on here, I'd like to talk about him just just a little bit. I mean, obviously he's been no stranger to, to headlines over the years, um, but it, it seems like most of what he's done, he's he's come out on top trying to uh, benefit the jockeys. Uh, you know, there was the the advertising uh, controversy, and we saying, hey, you know, we're we're you know, private, you know, uh, entities here. <laughs> Why can't we make a little money off our fame? And, of course, now you see that what was uncommon uh, years ago is now every day when you see everything from uh, Cash Call to uh, Jeff Ruby's Steakhouse uh, on, the, on the cover of the Blood Horse magazine on the jockey's pants. And then, of course, uh, he was a big advocate of uh, the, the health, something I know the Guild is uh, seriously involved in, um, not only in you know, teaching uh, nutrition and and ways of taking care of yourself, but also in trying to see if we can't get some of the weights bolstered up a little bit so you guys aren't killing yourself in the hot box. So uh, Shane, and then he, he took off, he retired, he had a singing career, had successful knee surgery, and I saw him win a stakes race at Turfway Park. He looks pretty darn good. You know, Shane's held up well, and Shane is a great advocate for jockey safety. I mean, all the things that he's done and said in the past few years, haven't been for Shane. They've been for the younger generation, the new guys coming up. He's a he's a he's a great mentor. He's a great teacher. He takes younger riders and he teaches them. He, he teaches them what he's been through, what he's seen, what he thinks they should be, whether whether right or wrong. Shane stands up for what he believes, and he he gets everybody involved. And, and a lot of times, he, it's not telling them what they should believe, but giving them the information and let it information and letting them make their own decisions well you know it's an interesting decision and this is what i was really hoping to get into with him uh the the career decision he made just uh, about a month ago and after he got hurt in the middle of the summer i know a horse bolted with him one of asmussen's uh, to the inside of the turf course at churchill i believe was a collarbone injury it took him a while to come back and you know how it is when, when he came back a lot of his work had dried up. He was a little bit surprised that some of those bigger-name trainers d- didn't give him a call or didn't give him a shot on the comeback trail. I won't name anybody. But, you know, he said, you know, instead of going down to the fairgrounds and, you know, trying trying to struggle and maybe finishing sixth or seventh, uh, as he had in the last couple of years, uh, I'm going to seize a new opportunity. And he partnered up with uh, trainer Pat Hoffman, uh, wh- whom he won the Prairie Bayou Stakes for uh, last Saturday, and those guys are they uh, uh, partnered up, and they're now operating a former standard bread operation not far from Keeneland, and he says he's breaking babies and doing layups, and he said, man, he says, I'm loving it. He says, on the track or on the farm, he says, I was born to be on a horse. I just love that positive attitude that somebody's got, you know, even at his stage of his career. Well, Shane's a great athlete, and Shane's a survivor. I don't believe that he couldn't do well if he went to to the fairgrounds or any other racetrack. Shane's going to make it. He's he's a great rider. He's um, he's he's going to do well wherever he lands, um, and I think he's going to do well on the farm. He, he is. He's a uh, he's a natural with horses. He, he's got very good hands. He's very patient. Um, 
and, and if if he puts his heart and soul into it, he's going to make it work. And, and I think I've talked to Shane as well, and I think he's very happy in the Lexington area, and I think he sees a, a future or a, or a place to settle down in the Lexington area, and I think um, the farm life may suit him well when he decides that it is the final final time to uh, let the younger guys handle the reins and let him prep the horses for them. Well, and I think it says something about him, too, uh, as an individual where he's had the chance. I remember talking to Pat Day one time, and I said, Pat, where are you uh, on your career right now? He said, well, John, I'm probably on about the 16th fairway. So he was already thinking in advance. As you know, injury can sneak up on a rider very quick. Uh, look at James Lopez, who's still a very young man. Uh, I, I think it's great that that a, a rider actually looks into the crystal ball and say, okay, I can't ride forever. What's my next step? Where do I go? And as I told you just recently when I was at uh, Keeneland, I, I saw Larry Melanson, who looked as though he was uh, working as a shed row foreman and bringing horses over. Um, is, is there anything that... that you know, I mean, you were lucky enough. You had, you had a college degree, and obviously helped you a lot in, in your future. But is there anything you do or say or talk to riders as they as they enter into that seventeenth fairway of their career? Well, you know, that's John. When I was eighteen, I thought I was on the seventeenth fairway. That's why I went to college. <laughs> and then that that eighteen, I guess I I just had a lot of strokes on those last two holes because I <laughs> I went on for twenty one years in my career. Yes, you did. I know when you were a champion rider at my track. Um, but it, it's it's true, and you know, this is one of the things, the, the the best things about Chris McCarran's school, and I'm sure you've had Chris on your show as well, Yeah, he my teaches first, yeah. these young kids, and these young kids come out and know that at some point they're going to have something to fall back on. And it, it's so important to all of them, not, not just what they learn down there, but if, if that's, you know, that's the one key thing that they can take away from that program. And, and I do the same thing, and I know Shane does the same thing, and there's other, um, you know, older riders out there that when they take a younger rider that thinks they're they're going to ride forever can say, you know, you're one accident away from having to do something else. And if that's if they can get that through their head, these young kids are a lot more eager to listen to what their elders are telling them. They're a lot more eager to listen to the safety precautions we're putting in place, the um, upgrading their safety equipment, which the Guild's been working very, very hard on to get better equipment out there, not only for the jockeys but for all equestrian riders in in, dis- in all disciplines. Um, so, it, it, I mean, it's something that we can't stress enough is to, to have something to fall back on, to consider – your future, should you decide, should you be injured, or just decide that, that that being a jockey is is too strenuous or not the right activity for you? Well, I, I forget at one time, but I think I saw a statistic that just kept me in awe is that the average lifetime of of a jockey, uh, as far as in that profession, was like three years. I mean. I, for so many that get into it and A, potentially get hurt, B, pick up weight, or C, find out how much work and dedication it actually takes, uh, you know, uh, to, to, to go on with that sport, it's, it's pretty phenomenal. Uh, and it is, and, and you know, the, the other aspect of that is, is they see, you know, it, it's fame and fortune and they see money, 
And the fact of the matter is, unless you're in that top echelon of riders, it, it is a struggling career. You're up putting long, long hours, um, dedicated work, hard work, uh, keep, not to mention keeping your weight down. Um, but there's not a lot of pay unless you win. It, it's all, it, it is a win-based society. And the owners, I'm sure, and trainers are in the same boat. If you don't perform well, you are struggling. And that's just, that's our industry, and, and I don't think everybody fully understands that when they first get into it. But many of them learn very quickly, and I think that's probably the, the key to the three-year stat. Well, Jeff, I do believe that your your annual Jockeys Guild meeting is going to be coming up in the weeks ahead. Uh, what are the main items on the agenda? Uh, you know, we always go over, we, we hope to have, again this year we're having it at, at uh, in Florida, near Gulfstream, near Hialeah. We, we tend to get a good turnout there by having a, a good contingency of both the thoroughbred and the quarter horse riders. Uh, we have, I know we've got a good group coming from, a few different tracks, the, the West Virginia guys, the, the Chicago guys, the New York guys. Uh, we'll have some Kentucky guys, Louisiana. We get a pretty good good showing down there. Of course, the warm weather isn't, isn't a drawback. Um, <laughs> we hope to have 75 to 100 riders there this year, that most of them will be our top riders. Um, one of the things on our agenda is uh, we're, we're hoping to have Terry Smith from Dynamic Research out in California, who's been doing a lot of testing for us on helmets and safety vests, to come in and kind of give a, a, a helmet and vest testing 101 to show them what types of tests are being done, what types of developments we found. We're doing some work kind of with the, with the help of Troxel, who's, who's not in the, the, the racing industry but is one of the leading manufacturers for the equestrian industry, is helping us develop or do some testing on helmets from other countries with using their research, um, new research that we found here, new concussion management research that, that's going on and so prevalent in, in the hockey leagues and the NFL right now, that we can kind of combine a helmet testing with concussion symposium and have some experts in, in concussion come in. Because, as you mentioned, John, uh, James Lope, Lopez uh, before, that was the reason for James's um, exit from the industry was he had had multiple concussions, and he's not the only one we've seen. Sure. And until we can get a concussion management system in and understand concussions more and develop our equipment, our equipment to help manage concussions, we're going to see more great guys like James exit the industry. So we really feel that this is an important, uh, important idea and, and an important role for the guild to be a leader on. So that's going to be hopefully one of our major seminars. Of course, we'll have you know the the finances of the guild and the the, the like the ARCI model rules that we've been working with. We'll probably discuss um, uh, the medication rules as they're going on. Not the not the you know, not that we want to stress our goals out there, but educate right. the guys on what's going on on the horseman's end of it and the regulators' end of it. Uh, we've also got exchange wagering that's entering the entering the U.S., which is um, a vital role for the jockeys. They need to understand what exchange wagering means to them, 
And some of the things I know this this week alone, there was another rider in the UK who was charged um, for some whatever he did. So uh, we just need to make sure that they know uh, who they're talking to, what they're saying, that that they you know they are being watched. That if if there's if horses are being bet to lose, that they need to make sure that they're not a part of it. Um, and anything they say to anybody can be construed as, you know, uh, you know, I can't mention how many times in my career that somebody came up to me and said, hey, do you like your horse in the third? I'm like, you know, he's fine or I like him or whatever you say can be used against you. Right, right. So it, it's something, I mean, this is a, this is something that's very important. We understand the need for it or, the, or you know, why people would want it to come to the U.S. if it's going to expand the betting pools or make it easier for people or better for, for new uh, gamblers. We're all for that. But w- they need to understand, too, that, that as you know, the, the way jockeys communicate or, or what people say to them, we need to make sure that the jockeys and the people and the industry understands you know, our, our part in it. And if somebody's doing the wrong thing, by all means, you know, go go at them. But if there's something innocent that's being said, or it's not, you know, not done in the wrong manner, that there needs to be um, due process in in charging somebody. Well, Jeff, you're you're the man to communicate it. You've done an outstanding job with the Jockey Guild. Uh, good luck uh, to to you down in Florida. And make sure that you say hi to your family for me and have a very Merry Christmas. All right. Merry Christmas to you and all your listeners, John. Thanks very much. Jeff Johnson from the Jockey Guild. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking to one of my main men at the Daily Racing Forum, Byron King. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports.
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, it's the Christmas show, and hopefully we're going to be giving you out some presents here. At least four of them as we go way down yonder to New Orleans, the fairgrounds, take a John over to Gulfstream Park, and end up at Laurel. And with me, just the man to go along with this sleigh ride with me from the Daily Racing Forum, one of the finest handicappers in the land, Byron King. Byron, how we doing? Very well, John. And yourself? I'm doing fantastic. I, I really am. I've been uh, ha- having a good uh, kind of off season, even though we're not. Uh, you know, racing live right now, a lot of changes in the landscape. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I've been getting some uh, steady work coming my way with some of my other ventures. So, uh, And best of all, I've got uh, winning ponies, and I get to talk to people like you and Jeff Johnston. Well, there you go. I was enjoying uh, listening in on the Jeff Johnston thing and uh, the exchange wagering. I think it raised some very good issues about it. And, um, you know, I have to say that you know as a, as a handicapper and a better there there have been times where you know I'll look at a race and I might not have a strong opinion about maybe maybe I'm unsettled as to who I think might win but I know a horse that I you know would bet against or I would like to you know uh play against um and I find that part of it appealing as a better but at the same time I also have concerns too that um it could lead to some impropriety, um, if, uh, especially at some of the smaller tracks, um, you know, if, uh, you know, you'd hate for people to be betting on a horse to lose and, 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 um, taking action to actually help that happen, you know. So, um, it's kind of interesting listening. So, you know, but that's no, 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 nothing shocking about things interesting on your show, John. Well, uh, Byron, just with a broad brush for some of our listeners that are going, what the heck are these guys talking about? Explain this style of betting that is very close to being introduced to the U.S. Well, um, I can't claim to be an authority on it. because I'm not saying you're an authority, but you know more than me. Okay. Well, all right. Well, you know, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing, but... This kind of wagering originated over in Europe, and uh, it's called exchange wagering, and it's done in a, in a paramutual format, but um, it is, um, from what I understand, but it essentially would allow you, for example, let's say for, uh, um, let's take the Kentucky Derby, for example, okay? So let's just say, for example, that somebody wanted to bet... Um, wanted to bet on Bodemeister. Well, and you thought, well, I don't like Bodemeister to win the Derby, but he doesn't have the seasoning and whatever. So you can essentially um, choose to, I think, essentially, like, look this person's bet, and then um, this person bets through this. this it's, it, it's bet on an exchange, so it's kind of like an established amount, right? And then... You know, part of this is, is is taken off the top to go to the um, the ADW or the um, provider that handles each one of these things, and then um, it works similarly. If anyone I think is kind of familiar, if you've ever seen in trade, um, 
where they do a lot of political stuff, you know, where people can essentially, like, trade on the outcomes of elections and things of that nature. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's, that's kind of what's up um, with the idea of it. Um, and maybe, in theory, you know, maybe you get a little better price on this particular horse than you would if maybe uh, if you bet on, you know, through the track or through a normal paramutual or whatever it might be. Um, that's as I understand it. You know, my fear, though, is obviously in a race like the Derby, you've got everybody wants to win it. You know, there's no incentive for anybody to want to have the horse lose. But if you're running for a $4,000 purse at some small little track, um, you know, a bet like that is, um, uh, you know, it's a, it's a little bit, to me, it's, it sets up a recipe for a potential disaster. You know, uh, very interesting. Uh, now, could, yeah. you, could this happen, Brian? And like, if if we all find a horse that's a real clunker and we all bet on it to run last, could that horse kind of like be a favorite? Uh, I don't think it would work like that. I don't think you could bet it to run last. I think what would essentially have to how it would work is I think you would have to. And again, I don't claim to know the specifics, of, so I hate to even. You know, it's a dangerous thing to talk about something that you don't know um, all the specifics of. But that's well, I'll just bail you out. to understand it. You know, so, yeah, you bail me out. <laughs> well, it'll it'll be interesting to watch. I got the concept basically from what from what you've already explained. So um, yeah, I we'll, mean, we'll see what happens in, in the future. Of, There's going to be a lot of learning. You know, know I think it's a little bit of kind of like prop betting, kind of. You know, if you've ever um, if, if you've seen those that. Um, you know, sometimes they have those in Vegas for um, for the Breeders' Cup, anybody that's gone out there, which can be kind of fun, actually. If anyone's ever gone to the, uh, Vegas for the Breeders' Cup, you know, you might have a situation where it's uh, the classic, and you can say, okay, um, you can bet head up. Okay, um, game on dude versus um, uh, mucho macho man, you know, and, and right. so... You, you know, you can bet things like that um, that are kind of, you know, interesting to, um, you know, maybe you have a strong opinion. Maybe you just really think, I don't like Game on Dude. I'm going to bet Mucho Macho Man. And maybe, you know, if you bet Mucho Macho Man to win, you know, you end up losing. Obviously, you know, he ends up running second. But, hey, you win your bet against um, the head up. Right. Against, um, as long as you, long as you beat the horse you bet against. Yeah. So I, I, I think... That's kind of the principal kind of thing, you know. There's big stuff like that. I mean, stuff that I think most betters would appreciate, but you just—I don't think it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that, especially the lower the purses you go, um, you know, the more that you know a wager. Um, you don't want to provide incentives uh, for, for losing, I think, which is... I, I hear what you're saying. Well, I listen to Jeff. He's saying, you know, be careful what you say, you know, if anybody's interviewing you about your horse. Well, let, let, let's move on to uh, maybe we can put a gift under the Christmas tree for some of our friends, uh, particularly those down uh, on Gentilly Boulevard uh, this uh, upcoming week. And uh, the fairgrounds does have a slew of stakes. I, I, I just picked two of them. Uh, start with a third race. I thought we'd go with a longer race uh, on the turf, a, a mile and a sixteenth, and then all of a sudden the PPs come down, and I don't think they can beat the one horse, Daisy Divine. I think they're all running for second money. I, uh, you know, I, I can't really disagree with you. She's 
perfect in two starts down there. She's, uh, I mean, this is a top-class horse who, who, you know, came within a half-length of winning the binary first lady at grade one at Keeneland and then won the Cardinal at Churchill. She's two for two down there. I mean, she's been beating better horses. She's proven on that course. And she also likes a little give in the ground, which is so common down there. They had a lot of rain this morning um, down in New Orleans, and they were off the turf today. So um, that's not a quick, drying course. So even if they're dry uh, tomorrow and Saturday, I think it's best you're looking at a good course, which is, you know, something she's already won down there on the She's just one of those that you just look at and you think, she just lays over these. Now she's spotting a whole bunch of weight and all that, but I think all that stuff's the weight thing can be a very overrated factor, especially when you're dealing in a... I just, I hate this. I don't know about you in particular, John, but, you know, this is a handicap race. It's the Blushing KD, who, by the way, is one of my favorite horses of all time. Uh-huh. Uh, one, one, yeah, she won the Kentucky Oaks, and I just loved her that day. I watched her all... Um, all winter down at the fairgrounds, she was spectacular down there. She kind of came from just these really humble beginnings, you know, was bought for, I want to say... Oh, yeah, $5,500. I love it. Something something like that. You know, trained by a guy named Sam David, uh, you know, ridden by one of the, I think it was Lonnie Mesh, you know, I mean, just... just it was for the little guy, you know, and the little guy wanted that year, and, and that was really cool, and she was spectacular, and unfortunately, she she met a tragic end, you know, she, she broke down training one day, and after many attempts to try to save her, she um, she didn't recover, but um, anyway, this name this race is named in her honor, but it's a handicap race, and, you know, the problem is with these handicap races is, you know, the racing secretaries, they don't want to put too, too much on the on the favorite, which they put 124 on her, but, you know, some of these other ones in there have 110, 114, 112. Well, how many jockeys, uh, unless you're John McKee, uh, there aren't too many jockeys that are going to make 110, you know, Um, so it kind of yeah, kind of, the weight uh, really matter at that point. But you know, yeah, David, it reminds yeah. me uh, of Blushing KD. Uh, she was a $5,500 a yearling herself, and now she's closing in on the million-dollar mark. She's got a real quality guy in Andrew McKeever training her. And while his stable isn't huge, he's at eight starts at the fairgrounds, and he's batting 38%. So, uh, anyhow... If you're playing pick threes or any kind of things like that, without a doubt, I'd say this this is one of the best singles of the day nationwide. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I would be very hard to imagine her um, um, losing this one. I'd say if you went in an alternative direction, Artemis Kitten is kind of interesting. She had a, a much-needed prep at Turfway on the 30th. Uh, it came on the poly. Um, and her numbers have never been, including that race, have never been as good on the synthetic as on the turf. And uh, she was good enough to win a stake at Ellis Park over the summer. Um, she also won a stake at the fairgrounds last year, beating upper line. It turned out to be a very nice horse. So she's kind of, if you're going to take your shot, I think she's maybe the one you take your shot with. Um, she's also two for three at the fairgrounds. So... But if either one, if it isn't one of those two, I'd be shocked. Well, we're going to have to speed it up here because i got three more races and the time clock is closing in on me. The eighth race, we're going five and a half on a turf, kind of an interesting uh, distance. 
but a distance that the eight-year-old Chamberlain Bridge has run 40 times and won 17 and loves the fairgrounds. Uh, five wins from eight starts there. Uh, he'll be the one to, to upset. And my guess is knowing Byron King, he's got somebody picked out that can beat this horse. Well, you know what? I, I'm not afraid to bet against Chamberlain Bridge because, to be honest with you, and, and fans will recall, you know, he did win the Breeders' Cup um, uh, when it was last at, um, oh, let's see, it was at uh, Churchill in 2010 was when he won it, I believe. So, uh, but at great claim for like $40,000. But I, I, you know who is just red hot and is interesting to me as a horse called Ready for More? Um, son of more than ready, the horse with past claiming lines, which I like him. He ran for as cheap as 15, but he's won four in a row. He's won on everything yeah. from mud to fast to firm, uh, at different tracks. He's just never, never been better. And with his pedigree more than ready out of a Maria's Mon mare and having a win in a second and two starts on turf, no reason why he shouldn't transfer, uh, his form off a win at Churchill to the turf. So ready for more, five to one would be the one for me. Could be a good day uh, for one B.J. Hernandez down there. And it's kind of neat seeing him getting getting in a good groove right now. He's a great young man. He's been on the show a couple of times, and uh, I'd be happy to see him upset it. Just one note for the listeners that the winner of the Bonaparte Stakes last year was a horse by the name of Chamberlain Bridge. All right. We're going to have to leave uh, Big Easy and go down to Gulfstream Park, a race named after a horse I always loved, El Prado, who has stamped himself as, I think, one of the best studs of our time, and particularly when they go on the green. This is a mile on the turf. Um, We've finally got uh, a field that's got enough runners in it where we can really get some odds, and I want to know who Byron King likes. Well, this uh, I find to be a very tough race. I mean, you, you look at it, and you've got 14 horses in it, and uh, one of the favorites, Nikki Sandcastle, is in the 14-hole. And uh, in in a mile race on the turf, tight turns at Gulfstream Park, which is a mile and an eighth track, so uh, usually, you know, with the turf course inside, it's usually an eighth mile, um, you know, um, Shorter, so it's essentially one lap around. That's a terrible draw. I mean, just short run to the turn, 14 all. I mean, I wouldn't bet him with somebody else's money, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> 72, I just could, could possibly do it. But you know what? You know who I'm trying to take uh, a solid shot with, and, and that would be Salto. Salto's a horse that um, impressed me at Keeneland with a win on the Poly in October. And then they wheeled him back in the Fayette on the mile and eight, probably a little too far for him. And he was also running off short rest off a really breakout race. But, you know, he's had more time to rest and recover. You know, he's got Todd Pletcher in his corner and, and Javier Castellano was up for his, his um, win at Keeneland in October. So Salta would be my choice, especially with the five hole. That's a good post for him. He's got tactical speed. He should get a good trip. Well, uh, again, with 14 in there, this is going to be a very, very uh, interesting. Uh, there, there is a lot of talent. There's a lot of angles to be played in there, but I certainly can't argue with you. You know, you, you look at Salto, the Irish bred, and um, as far as uh, he's made 14 lifetime starts, but 10 of them at this distance, and he's made about almost 90% of his career money has been made 
uh, you know, going a mile on the turf. So you want to bet on a horse of what he does best. Well, that's true, and and um, he's just he's a horse that, um, quite frankly, impressed me quite a bit. I really thought he would win the Fayette, which I was probably a little too gaga off his allowance win at Keeneland in October, um, and I think he did regret strong performance. So, but um, nevertheless, it was still um, this is a good horse, and he's got tactical speed. But I mean, fourteen horses, amazing. Yeah, you know, this goes to show this race is I think is only a fourteen thousand dollar excuse me, seventy five thousand dollar race and you know, these are the ones that get fourteen horses. It's kinda of funny. Sometimes you put up uh, three hundred thousand and you'll get six, you know. So uh it's quite a um quite a contrast. All right. Well, uh let me lead you up to the to the the last race of the day. And we're gonna to go to Laurel Park as uh things that switch over in that part of the country. It's the 38 go-go, 125,000 up for grabs, and uh, this is not a, uh, an exclusive Maryland-bred uh, race. The horses can be born anywhere, and uh, we're going a flat mile on the main. Who pops to the top for Byron King from the Daily Racing Forum? Well, I tell you what, John, why don't you tell me who you like for just a moment? I have to say I was not prepared for this one. You, you threw me off with the Laurel one. Um, so I'm calling up the PPs right now as we speak. But tell me who you like, and I'll give you some quick thoughts once I get it up here. I apologize oh. for. Well, I'm man, who's throwing who's throwing who a curve? Well, uh, you, you've got uh, you know horses here that uh, just raced about a week ago, and that's with great pleasure. Who was only a, a length and three quarters uh, sent away at eighteen to one in the, the Willa on the move. And uh, that was a six furlong race. It's going to stretch out to a mile. This horse likes Laurel. It's one at a mile. Um, could be, you know, an interesting horse uh, to look at with great pleasure. Uh, other than that, you've got uh, another one that's horse for course that uh, may be the one to beat in here, and that's Bold Affair, uh, the two horse. Uh, just ran in the one-mile Geisha. I'm not sure if that's a prep for this race or not. And went from flag fall to that's all. Odds on last two starts. I'm going to have to go with the horse for course, Bold Affair. Yeah, she looks real tough, four to five. It looks like, you know, probably her best distance is probably shorter than a mile, but she did win, as you noted last time out at this distance and on this track, a beat against um, Maryland Brads. But this is a filly that's 9 for 15, uh, 9 for 14 if you just count dirt, and um, just really has some pretty special form, particularly in her home state of Maryland. But um, for those that do want to try to beat her, she has a daughter of two punch, who's primarily sprinter types, um, does get some stamina out of a colonial affair mare, but, you know, they've obviously kept her in six furlong races for the most part. Um, they did, she did win at seven eights, though, uh, at Laurel, and, and did win last time out. Um, so, um, but uh, very, very, very chalky. I guess maybe as an alternative, another horse worth mentioning is 1.3 carats, which <laughs> is a horse that's sold for 1.3 million, hence that name. Um, so, uh, they would obviously love to get some black type with her. There's no doubt. She's won two in a row for Grand Motion and Medaglia Dioro. So, um, they're obviously, uh, hoping to, um, 
recoup some of that value with her as a as a ultimately as a broodmare, no doubt. Absolutely. Get, get that black type under your name and get in the sales ring. We're Byron King. I'm seeing my uh, my producer D is tapping on the window, telling me, John, Byron's great. We love him, but you got to go, or I'm going to cut you off. So, Byron, thanks so much for being with us, and have a merry Christmas. Same to you, and to all your listeners as well. All right, and to all our listeners at Winning Ponies, happy Hanukkah, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, whatever you want to call it. We're happy that you tune in and listen. I want to thank everybody involved with the show for for having me on. Have a great holiday season, and we'll be back next Thursday on Winning Ponies. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. <laughs>